Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe, and this is the second season, episode 14, of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. should come out on September 30th, 2019, if I remember to upload it and all that other stuff. Um, we have some pretty interesting and kind of silly stuff to talk about today, so we'll just get right into the beer. Uh, Ricky's going to do the beer this time, and I'm going to take the sip. Because we decided to do it that way. Yeah. So first up, we've got the chocolate peanut butter porter. It's a limited edition from Horny Goat Brewery. Uh, let's see. It says carefully crafted, fabulously fun. Let's see if I can see on here what state this is made in. Don't see it right offhand, but it's six and a half percent with 55 IBU, which I feel is a little high um, compared to most of the porters that we drink. Let's see. This award-winning porter gets its luscious dark color from the generous use of roasted malts. We bring just the right amount of hops to the party to balance out that malt backbone and let the stars of the show shine. You will get heavy notes of chocolate and peanut butter to question whether you're drinking a glass of delicious suds or popping a peanut butter cup in your mouth. Okay, I don't know if I like the flow of that last sentence as well. (laughs) Yeah. But... So what do you think about it? Well, uh, take take yourself a snip, si- uh, sip and uh, sniff it really good. Um, so one of the things I can say is, I think I agree that they say it. it it's hard to distinguish the peanut butter cup flavor of mm-hmm. it uh, from like uh, Reese's or something like that. Um, it definitely has a nice kind of flavor to it mm-hmm. um but it is a bit bitter i agree with that 55 percent ibu um so which makes it but the hops aren't it's not very hop forward yeah so i can tell it has hops in it mm-hmm. but uh the flavoring the peanut butter flavoring especially kind of kills the hops yeah. peanut butter is pretty good it's also it's like a very roasty peanut butter yeah like kind of like when you roast peanuts it's all the skin on them yeah it just hold a lot of that smoke flavor yeah, I agree with that. It's uh, I, I like it. It's uh, it's definitely a, a good one. Yeah, that's not bad. It's, and I love the smell of it. Like I've had other peanut butter porters that smell mm-hmm. very beery, and this one smells very chocolate and peanut yeah. butter. It's very nice. Oh, let's see. This was a World Beer Championship from Tastings. Say, it's a, the award is the Tastings Platinum 2015. Got 96 points. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I'm truly not a big fan of really bitter beers, but this mellows out really well because I think the biggest complaint most people, I guess I should say most adults, I think kids love it, um, but most adults don't like peanut butter cups because of how sweet they are. Mm-hmm. They get overly sugary. So to kind of have some of that bitterness in it, almost like if you did like a, a natural peanut butter with like a really dark, dark chocolate. Uh, that's exactly what I was about to say. It's like a dark yeah. chocolate peanut butter cup. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's take a look at the uh, Not Your Mimas uh, Deep River Pumpkin Pie Porter. This is a local brewery from uh, North Carolina. It's from Clayton, North Carolina. Ooh, see, I like that. Clayton was right down the road for me. And uh, it says, Our pumpkin pie porter won't stick to your ribs like grandma's cooking, but it sure packs a fistful of flavor. We pack over seven pounds of pumpkin per barrel into this beer along with our perfect blend of pumpkin pie spices. We know Carolina always said, don't spoil your supper. We know Grandma. I thought it said Carolina. I don't know why that. We know Grandma said, don't spoil your supper with too many uh, drinky poos. 
but we say indulge because grandma is in the kitchen drinking dandelion wine anyways. Uh, and let's see, it is 5.9% uh, ABV. Um, and yeah, uh, the, can, the can's got like a very fall mm -hmm. festive kind of feel to it also. So what do you think? I had to taste it several times because I want to make sure it's not just me coming off of the other one. But I don't get a whole lot of flavor from this one. It, it's got like kind of those, some of those portery notes. It's got like almost a little bit of a sour note to it as well. But it's just kind of very muted. You know, I can, on the aftertaste, I can get some of the pumpkin. I can get some of the spice. But it's not as forward as like the chocolate peanut butter porter was. Um... You don't get like a blast of it. You kind of get, it's more like on your tongue and kind of like on your breath afterwards. Well, so uh, pumpkin's got like pumpkin by itself, not mm -hmm. with any spices added yeah, to yeah. it. So I know that they're selling this to be more like a pumpkin pie, which it's definitely not. Yeah. Um, but pumpkin by itself, which I can taste, is the kind of watery, melony flavor that's yeah. in there. Yeah, we talked about that last yeah. time. So I, I mean, I get some of that, but yeah, this is not, you know, Meemaw's pumpkin pie. You know, having had a Meemaw that made pumpkin pies, um, it's not awful. I guess it, it's now difficult that we're, we're throwing this beer up against one that evidently won championships. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's a little bit more mild. I think even compared to the pumpkin ones we had last week, it just doesn't really stand up. It, it doesn't. It's a less complex beer, I feel mm. like. Um, and, you know, I I, I would say this. It's not a bad beer. I would drink it if given the opportunity to drink um, to drink a beer. Yeah. And I had to choose between this and another beer that uh, was a more mainstream kind of beer. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I, I take it over like Budweiser that. or something Yeah, like that's that, exactly but, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like a Miller Lite or a Budweiser or something like that. This has better flavor than that. And like the aftertaste to it, now that I'm letting it sit on my mm -hmm. tongue for a little bit, it definitely has a very pumpkin pie kind of aftertaste. Yeah. But it's just not, it's not quite what we had last week mm -hmm. with some of the other pumpkin pie beers, which is a shame. Um, but it's still, I mean, that, those weren't the best pumpkin pie beers either. Yeah, they weren't. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember exactly where we landed on both of them, but I remember not being blown away by either one of them. Well, the, the there was one that we really felt like was good, and then was that we went, was one of the yeah. pumpkin ones. Yeah, I think okay. that was the the nitro stout. I think I, I don't remember. It's you yeah. go back and listen to last week's episode, and or the week before. Yeah. We record these in batches. Yeah, so our our idea of time is skewed. Um, well, you know, I can tell you real quick because I have the list right here. So that was ep that was uh, September sixteenth episode. Uh, the Pumpkin Beast and the Pumpkin Imperial L. Uh, and I think that the Aviator Pumpkin Beast was the more pumpkin-y of the two, yeah. if I remember correctly. So, yeah, you can go back and listen to that. Um, well, you want to get right into talking about some of the silliness that's sure. going on in the tech world right now? So, I know you have an Echo Show, mm -hmm. and I have an Echo Dot. I don't use my Echo Dot. I don't know if you use your Echo Show. It sits in the kitchen for, like, grandma and, you know, stuff like that. I want to check the weather and those sort of things. How, how would you feel if it could talk to you in Samuel L. Jackson's voice? I think if my wife found out about it, she would have already switched. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll admit, I didn't use it too much myself, but that does sound awesome. It would be kind of fun. And when my wife, when I go back home, I'm going to tell her about it. And that's, she's going to immediately Google it. 
<laughs> and she's going to turn it into Samuel L. Jackson. Well, so, but that that brings up the thing of as we have more celebrities that maybe lend their voice mm-hmm. to these things, you could have like, uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson or yeah. something like that. Well, I, I don't know the Darth actor's Vader. name because I'm terrible with names, but she would get Bojack Horseman to be okay. her her Amazon show anyway. <laughs> Just the guy from Bojack Horseman. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, I don't really have much else to say about that. It's kind of um, it's kind of an interesting, hilarious thing. But we've mm-hmm. had technology for a while that does yeah things like this. But I mean, it's, yeah, it's just recording over the audio prompt, and it probably doesn't have everything. Well, I would imagine that it probably has most of the things, like, because they're they're going to do it the same way that they did the voice for whatever it is that they're doing because they don't do those just like because uh, the, the way we used to do it was like you had a, uh, a canned response that was recorded yeah and well now they, they probably do something like record the 10,000 common words they, or something like they that record, they record a certain set of words but they also um, do like a volumization and they, they can take uh, there's some technology out there now uh, where they can actually feed words to a computer program that has a person's voice pattern uh, put into it. And it will give a good approximation of the voice. Yeah, I mean, you've got things like that. I guess I don't know. I know they had some things that were like that a couple of years ago that were pretty good if you got enough words but weren't that great. I don't know where they'll sit with it. I mean, if they want to go that direction with some of these like really famous voices. Because people would be able to tell. I think that's where that hits. That well, so uh, with deep fake te- technology, I, th- mm-hmm. I think we've talked about that before. There have been people that have been working on being able to make people actually sound like yeah. uh, th- they do. And so there's been some advancements there. I mean, there has been. But I mean, like, we, we saw some of that in, in various movies recently for when, like, people have passed away. And you can still tell. I mean, it's close. I mean, I think it's a, it's a decision on Amazon's part if they want to record... Again, I mean, most people do like a thousand or ten thousand most common words, and then like just go with there. If you ask for something crazy, like tell me about the I don't know Guatemalan pink gecko or something like that. If that'll that phrase will alert back to a default Alexa, or if they'll try and like make that happen. We apologize for triggering your echo. <laughs> Amazon, shut off. <laughs> um. But yeah, so the uh, the default default voice. I I think that the idea of this is that it does all the things that the default voice. Okay. Would do. Then yeah, then yeah. yeah, they have to do something then to yeah. get the other more obscure things through there. Yeah, it's a it's it's a pretty interesting interesting thing. I don't. I mean, I'm I might change mine to it and turn it back on and might play with it. But having the the little spy puck in my house mm-hmm. for all the different services. Um, I, I mean, I might as well just have one spying on me, not all of them. They're, yeah. they're already collecting my data anyways. But um, I don't really use the... I, I use, The only thing I use a virtual assistant for is um, turning on lights mm-hmm. and um, looking up recipes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's mostly what we use R for. We do, like, the weather will ask for... You know, sometimes a recipe for something we like it's good for setting timers and reminders because it's close to where my mother's room is like we set up a reminder for her to take her medicine so it goes off like when it should and things like that but yeah I don't think I could have it in like my bedroom or in my work office where it's like always there 
Yeah, I have one in here, uh, but again, it's just for being able to yeah you know, control the lights, and control everything. lights and things like that. But I don't, um, I don't have one. I was thinking about putting one in the uh, guest room for mm -hmm. them to be able to do some things with, uh, or, or like have like a little speaker for music. Yeah. Um, but I don't have, I, I don't know, and I don't want to like breach their privacy or anything yeah. like that. So. We'll see. We'll see what I end up doing with it. Uh, I, f I feel like even though Google is not the good guy in any of that stuff, they're a little bit more responsible and less scummy when it comes to. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of eyes starting stuff. to look at things like this now. You know, we're getting more and more kind of government involvement from various world governments looking at kind of what data is being collected, how is it being used, so. I don't know. I get a feeling that in the next couple of years there's going to be some decisions made about all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it seems like Europe's already heading down that road. Yeah. Europe's getting a little aggressive with it. Even here in the U.S., we had, like, um, a couple reports come out not too long ago. There's kind of looking at how some of this stuff has been done. We've had you know, some of these social media people brought in front of Congress to talk about yep. how their platforms work, which I always thought was, like, a weird idea. You're going to get the the CEO to come in and talk about the technology when realistically they don't see CEO has a very probably probably a very good high level understanding yeah. of it but of course again I guess the other side it's not like Congress would understand the low level explanation yeah they, they you have to you have to be able to have a you got to match your audience I guess so uh, let's let's transition to something else that Google's doing so you know last uh, I think it was two times ago uh, on the same episode that we reviewed the pumpkin beer mm -hmm. um no it was last episode that, that's the one that we did the apple gaming service oh yeah they're, yeah. they're gonna have like the apple streaming service um, mm -hmm. i forgot the name of it I think it's, it's like apple stream or something like that yeah. well google play is going to have the google play pass and it's going to be 4.99 a month so it's a dollar cheaper okay. um and it is a subscription app and game service for your Android phone or tablet or yeah. TV or whatever. So what do you think about that? I'm I'm kind of intrigued about how that would work because Apple to some extent at least has games that get released that are Apple compatible. And you know, when, you, when I think, okay, Apple's gonna start doing some games, it's like, okay, well they're gonna take all these kind of PC games, I have Apple ports, or that people have been setting up in wine and stuff like that, and they're basically going to run those. So that makes sense. I wonder what games are we really going to be playing on Google Play for your phone? Is this a, a subscription service to the games on their App Store? Is well, this... so they they've already got some that are that are listed, and uh, when you look you look at the list, I mean, Stardew Valley, Knights of the Old Republic, Evo Land, um, Terraria. But those um, are actually, but yeah, but those are all phone apps. They're, they're phone apps and yeah. their Yeah, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they also apps. have desktop games, but yeah. I guess that's where the cutoff is. If we're starting to say, okay, well, we're going to allow you to play kind of regular PC games on it, that'd be cool. If we're talking about just kind of the games that have been released that are already Android compatible, I'm not sure I see the point. I mean, generally... Well, so you don't have to buy them. So, like, like Knights of the yeah. Old Republic, in, in and of itself, is uh, I think like fifteen dollars. Yeah. Uh, on the on the store when it's not on sale, Terraria is uh, 
ten dollars. Stardew Valley, I think, is ten bucks. Um, the game dev tycoon, I think, is five or ten dollars. Yeah, but the, Metro. I guess my my look at this is. I don't do a whole lot of phone gaming. I mean, it would be different if I did phone gaming. Most of the things I would be interested in playing on my phone are larger games, kind of like the KOTOR and Stardew Valley. But just buying them all is probably close to the same price, if not a bit cheaper, than just getting the subscription service for a year. And I own them now. I don't have to keep paying for it. Well, so the the other thing is, is that for any of these games that have in-app purchase purchases where mm-hmm. you would you would buy you'd have to like repetitively buy stuff from mm-hmm. it you get those you don't have any in-app purchases yeah well i'll admit i i never do in-app purchases period anyway if you if your game has in-app purchases that incentivize me to buy them as opposed to play your game i probably won't play your game to begin with but yeah i mean the only way i can see this being really worth it is if I would be getting a game every month or two. If if we could say every two months a new game will be there that you would normally buy to play, and you could keep this up for several years, then it'd be worth it. Well, it's uh, a that's supposed to be the idea is that they're adding games all the time, but it's not just games; it's also apps. So apps that you'd have to purchase, or apps that you have in-app purchases to unlock features, Mm -hmm. you can get through this and use them. Um, in whatever way you want to. Yeah. So let's uh, let's say there's uh, Termux, um, which is a terminal app for Android. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if you have a Chromebook, you can use it on your Chromebook too. Uh, but basically, you know, it has some features that are in-app purchases. I, I, I don't know that that's true, but I'm just saying yeah. it, it, it is. Um, there is an actual app called Termux, but this, yeah, yeah. this is my hypothetical Termux yeah. app. Um, so, you know, you, you can buy it and you can unlock, so you can use it for unlimited SSH, but if you want to do like SCP or something with it, mm-hmm. you have to unlock, um, you know, a, a feature. Yeah. And so that, those features all come unlocked. Yeah. So I would say, even with that, for my phone, never. If I had like a Chromebook and I used it seriously and most of my apps had to come from an app store, maybe. At that point, when we're talking about, okay, what about utilities I could use that are just like part of the laptop that it doesn't come with on the default OS? Yeah, maybe. Because, I mean, Chromebooks are already cheaper than, like, a, I don't want to say a full-fledged laptop because they are laptops, but you know what I mean. Like, it's it's cheaper than things like um, a Windows laptop or a Mac that come with a lot of those tools already built in. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe if I had a Chromebook. But I think for my phone or even if I had, like, a tablet or one of those, like, Google-compatible TVs, I don't think I'd take that plunge. I just don't think I'd use it enough. I got one more one more thing to throw out there. Mm-hmm. Right now, you can in, if you're in the U.S., you can get it for one ninety nine a month for for the first twelve months. Yeah, still no. <laughs> I don't see. I don't fall into those because I've been burned by those things in the past. You know, if you're a regular price, if it's going to be four ninety nine, it's not tolerable. Why would I sign up for a year where I'll get all these things, but then if I don't, then I'll switch to your price I didn't think was fair to begin with. I lose all the things I got before, you know. Yeah. That's basically like I'm renting that game for a year because I know I'm not going to renew it when the year is up. Yeah, so I mean that. So I've been sitting here kind of talking about it, like, mm-hmm. here, let me throw it's this. It's a devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah be, be, I, I, um, I'm probably going to do the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to see what that's like so I can speak educatedly about it. I might change my opinion. Uh, and I'll probably try the Apple subscription service for a month or two just so I can mm-hmm. speak edu- you know, with some sort of education about it uh, because it's not like 20 or 30 or $40 a month. Yeah, yeah. But 
this seems like a very dangerous thing to move towards. It's the same way with Microsoft Office, where instead mm-hmm. of paying like you know three hundred dollars for a lifetime license of that product, you pay um, you know something like um, you know ten dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And you just pay it, and you pay it in perpetuity as long as you want to be able to use that software. Yeah. And the moment you stop using it, and you have a limited amount of licenses and all this yeah. other stuff, and it, it becomes like a licensing scheme where it controls how you do the things that you want to do with your... Um, that was my, oh, okay. my laptop. I about to yell at my, my phone <laughs> I try to turn it off so you, but But you control the things that you want to do with your phone or your your yeah. laptop or your programs and they control it. They 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 make it seem like you have freedom with it, but in reality what you have is you're under the control of what they want you to do with it. Yeah. And that's the same reason I'm kind of against Apple doing this. Um you know, of course like I said, I might change my mind, but I'm not I, I probably won't. Uh, so it's uh, it it seems like a very slippery bad slope. Of going to, I mean, the same thing with the the Stadia subscription service or uh, any of these software as a service kind of platforms for consumers always end up being super restrictive. For businesses, sometimes it makes sense. I don't want to say it never makes sense. Yeah. Uh, because you don't want to be able to have those things forever. You want to be able to have some of those legal issues taken care of. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like the consumer side of things, I don't want to subscribe to being able to have my music. I don't want to be able to subscribe to have my movies. I want to, I, I want to own them. Yeah. Well, or at least not not so much. I, I want to own the actual movie, but I want to own a copy of it that I can do something with. Yeah. If I want to put it on a different service, I can. It doesn't matter if I bought it from your service. I can transfer mm-hmm. it over to another service, or I can do something like that with it. At, at at that point, if if I buy a game, so like if I bought it on Stadia and it also went to my Steam library, and I could, you know, do if I just it's like I bought a license to be able to use that game from any um, point there forward. Mm-hmm. I would be happy with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are certain limitations to it, like uh, you know, like with physical copies of games. I don't expect that those will work forever and ever and ever going forward on every operating system that's out there. Yeah, um, but movies and like as long as i have a dvd player i should be able to play as long as i have a windows xp machine i should be able to play the original baldur's gate yeah. as long as i have the xbox 360 i should be able to play any of the xbox 360 games i have fable any of those those are things that it feels very restrictive when you're like oh well you know i've got this game subscription service or even like i, I mean i i use my playstation i have playstation plus but having to have a subscription service to be able to unlock the online features of a mm-hmm. of a game console is just bullcrap. Yeah, uh, and and we've put up with it um, for so long that this just feels like another move in the direction of where it's like, you know, we don't, we want to convince people of a certain age because that this is what it's targeting. Mm-hmm. It's it's a malicious corporate practice that is being designed by Apple and Google and all these other companies that are going to target young people like cigarettes did and vaping has uh, to where we get you used to this idea of this product at a young age and then you will go forward and 
accept this idea that you have to pay a fee or you have to do this, you have to do that. And soon, you know, you're having to pay $60 a month for cable or you're having to pay, you know, $60 a month for your phone subscription service that is on top of your subscription service that you already have to be able to just use it Mm. on the cell tower, you know, so that it just, it just seems like it's just, you know, nickel and diming people that don't have the money to spend on these things um but at the same time if it's just two dollars a month if it it was just two dollars a month and it stayed like that forever i could see it being a supplemental thing to owning your own software uh because then you can try things and if you want to buy it after that after that time you can yeah i mean that's true if it was cheap enough to be like a continuous thing of, you know, okay, do you want to try playing a game for a few days before you buy it? You know, especially if you could get things like, you know, it probably doesn't matter as much for apps, but for, for games, you had like save compatibility. We're like, oh, hey, did you buy it on our, you know, little stream service thing? Okay, well, you know, now you've bought the real thing. The saves are still the same. You know, it's yep. still cloud-based saving, so that you don't lose anything. I could see that. I could see this idea of use it and try it out, but... I'd, at the same time, I would then sit there. At some point, I would say, "Well, I'm paying two bucks a month to try out two games a year because I don't I don't use it over the phone." It would be different, I think, if I owned the MacBook, yeah, I mean, or the owned the uh, the Chromebook. I could definitely see if it stayed at like two bucks for the Chromebook that being worth it because if if you're using it as a serious laptop, you try out new software all the time. I yep. mean. Just with converting my my D and D character to paper, I've tested out a whole bunch of different little apps that built spell cards and things like that. So yeah, it'd be nice to see if I was in an environment where I'd normally have to pay like a buck each time I downloaded one of those. To say, okay, I'll try them on this little thing, and then I'll I'll buy the one that I'm going to end up using. Exactly. I mean, you'll you'll do whatever it is that you feel like is is the most appropriate way to handle that software mm-hmm. when you have it in a more flexible format. Yeah. So, I'm disappointed, but it seems intriguing, and I don't want to pass too much judgment. Um, well, I mean, ultimately, the market decides this thing. I mean, yeah. you see all these companies do this stuff at the same time because they're all making the same bet of, you know, if this takes off, you know, who will it be that, that gets the, the users? That's generally how that works. You know, a, a new idea comes out, a whole bunch of companies try it, you know, two or three are successful at it. One of them is generally way more successful than the others, and they're all throwing their hat in. Um, it would be interesting in five years from now to see if those things are still sitting around. Yeah. So let's talk about the Divinity Original Sin on Switch. Yeah. So, so you you know, like, I, I love both these games. Lorian mm-hmm. Studios, I'm super excited about them doing Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I love their uh, Divinity Original Sin. I like all the Divinity titles. I've just, I've, I've had a really, like... They, them and uh, CD Projekt Red are like, you know, the two mm-hmm. game companies that right now are my favorites. Just, I'm, I don't, I don't want to say like it's going to be that way forever. Blizzard was my favorite at one point in time. They got bought by Activision and it's just been kind of downhill since then. I still play Blizzard games, Bethesda. I love their games, but they got some crappy practices now. I imagine at some point in time, CD Projekt Red and Larian Studios will run into mm. some of those same problems, but right yeah. now I'm kind of I'm really enjoying their stuff. They did something else that was really cool. I felt like mm. so you know I owned the game. I, I bought the 
I bought it on Kickstarter. Yeah. I got all the like perks and things like that. I generally don't pre-buy games, but I mean, th- this is it right here. Yeah. Sitting right there, the big old dwarf mug looking at us from my shelf. Um, but the the game was just so good, and the first game was so good, and I just ha- I've, I've enjoyed it since then. Well, uh, when they came out with the definitive edition. I started my game over. Mm-hmm. I, I never finished the game to begin with because I came out. I play these games kind of slow. Yeah, I just yeah. kind of soak them up as I enjoy them, stuff like that. Well, they did something else. They released it on Switch. And I was like, oh, okay, well, just another version for me to buy. Mm-hmm. It'll be cool to have it on portable, but I'm going to have to start a new game again. Yeah. Not so. Oh, really? It has cross-save compatibility with your oh, Steam. Nice. Uh Cross save, so you can if you have it on Steam, mm-hmm. uh, and and you want to be able to play the game on computer, and you want to be able to play it on the Switch on the go, mm-hmm. you can play it, do whatever you're going to do on the Switch, go sync it back up through the, uh, you know, through the oh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Wi-Fi connection or whatever, and then once it's sunk, it the your save will be on your Steam game, and there'll be you know, that's nice. Feature yeah, me and my wife have been playing that on and off, and she's she's busting for a Switch. She wants one so bad, and we're saving up for it. But she's got a laundry list of games to get for it, and so I guess we're gonna have to add this one to the list. Yeah, I think I think this one and Breath of the Wild and uh, Skyrim have been my favorite yeah. three so far. Um, now I I do I have some other ones. I play Stardew Valley all the time. Mm-hmm. Love that on the Switch. There's a game called Littlewood that's going to be coming out for the Switch that I did a Kickstarter for, mm-hmm. um, and some other games like that. And I really I like all those games. But this one, just the fact that I can take it from my computer where I want to play it because it's so beautiful on the computer yeah. and it's got so many like really cool things and then you can do all the um, built-in mm-hmm. fun stuff and then I can take it onto my yeah. my, my Switch. That That's a big deal. Yeah, that reminds me. i got to get back into Kingdom Come. They've had some DLCs released for that. I should get those and finish playing that game. <laughs> I'm not sure if you ever played it. I did. I've got it, I've got yeah. it on both... PlayStation 4 and PC. But here's the thing. Like, I can't... I don't have a... And this is the thing that kills me. That's true, yeah. It's not cross. I I don't have, like, a cross-save thing. And I I wish that more games did that. Yeah. Because if they... If if there was more interoperability between console and and your PC like that, that would be nice because then I could go down Mm -hmm. and play on my my big screen. I could play... The console, and then when I go back to the PC, I've got the stuff. I think there. we'll get there. I think we're seeing more of it now recently. I think we're going to continue to see more of it because there's always a barrier for, I feel like, gaming companies in that most of the time you have more than one console. Um, most people have more than one way to play a game. Maybe you've got like an Xbox and also a PC, or you've got like an Xbox and a PlayStation or something like that. But the big driver of why you you really don't double buy games is because your saves don't transfer, your achievements mm-hmm. don't transfer, and things like that. If they put that stuff in, just like you know you with the Switch, you're going to be much more likely now to buy the game on Switch because mm-hmm. it's cross platforms here. Yep. So there's kind of an incentive to get that because I think then it stops being the battle of okay, well who's the choice? If you've got the Xbox and the PlayStation, which one are you going to buy it on? And, but if there's enough compatibility here, it might be like, okay, well, maybe you bought your first copy on Xbox, and then eventually, you know, you bought another copy for your PC. Yeah, you, they, both companies make money that way. Yeah, and, I don't, I don't mind paying a little bit more. To, like, so if I paid, if if it's a fifty dollar game, mm-hmm. and I paid sixty two dollars, and I got it on both platforms, 
I don't mind that. Because generally what I do is I get it, like if I get them on my PlayStation or something, they're on sale for yeah. like super cheap. Uh, and I normally don't buy my games except for on sale for the PC either. So, um, But I, I totally totally yeah. get what you're saying. Like, it, it, I, I, I do hate the, if I have to pay full retail for both of them. Yeah. So that that really bothered me with the Switch because Nintendo makes everything everybody have to pay full retail. Mm-hmm. So when I got this game, I had to buy it full retail to have it on the Switch, uh, and that uh, like okay, I'm I'm willing to shove a little bit more money at Blarian because I want them mm-hmm. to keep doing the good things that they're doing. But if I owned it on Steam and I paid all this money for it, it would have been nice if either I got like a discount or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, just because. That incentivizes me even more to buy it on Switch. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see how those those models would work because ultimately, Nintendo would want their money. But we say, well, developer, you get half as much as you would normally get because you already bought it once. Or like, where does that cut on the profit of that sort of stuff goes? But I mean, I think even outside of that, you know, I think like you and me are a little shrewd. My wife would think nothing about. I mean, we've already got like several games we have on other consoles. She wants to buy on the Switch. Because um, I'm not sure you've seen our house since we redid the living room, but we like moved some furniture around. The TV's not in there anymore. Moved that to our bedroom, so just made more space in the living room for Delilah to play. So she's just busting for I could have the Switch right here in bed, <laughs> and I could play with the little controller if I wanted to. Or I could just have it in my hands when we like I have TV on the background. She's like setting herself up for maximum relaxation. She would not, she would not think for a second of buying a game over again to have it on the Switch. Yeah, I can see that. I there's some definite draw. We've never really talked about like the drawbacks of the switch on this, and mm-hmm. that's not a topic for today. But one day we will. Yeah, we'll talk about that. May, maybe after you get get your own. Yeah, switch. once we both kind of play with them for a while. Yeah. I, I've had mine for since that's the first true. game. You've out. had yours for a while. We <laughs> we had our Wii, but then got rid of it. Breath of the Wild though is another one we're looking to buy, um, to buy again because we, we Alice didn't beat it, but I beat it the first time through. Yeah, it was a pretty good game. I've heard a lot of people say it's not a good Zelda game. I guess that's like up in the air. Of whether or not it's a good, you know, quote unquote Zelda game, but it's a good game. I I particularly love Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I don't love is the the uh, break mechanic for the swords, yeah. swords and stuff. But the fact that you can get them again doesn't really make it that bad. Yeah, it's not as bad as it could be. I'll admit, um, I was watching somebody play. Did you do all the the temples? I haven't I haven't completed that game yet. Okay. So I'm about halfway the, through. Did you ever do the temple that was like on that island that they take all your equipment away? The the one at the very beginning? No, no. It's like it's one of those shrines. I know. The like there's there's one at the very beginning that does something like no, that. No, no, no. Like you have to cross the ocean to get to it. It's like this long part. Okay. We can give you a tip. Because I watch my wife's part of the video is like, oh, I love this video. It's just so great. And this guy, he's like a professional gamer, and he's like, I think he's like Alpha Rad. He's really huge in um, Smash Brothers. He's like a champion winner there, but he has like a regular YouTube channel. And him really struggling to do this area because he you know, puts like a giant on there. There's like goblins. You get nothing. You have no equipment whatsoever. Um, I realized I did it wrong because when I was over there, and I was like, oh, we're gonna take your stuff away. I said, oh, okay, reload went back and I just like threw all my weapons onto the island and I didn't get rid of them so I just still had all my stuff <laughs> except my armor and I was like oh wow that, yeah I guess that's really hard if, if you do it that way as he's like trying to kill this giant with a stick <laughs> I was like I just had a royal claymore it was super easy what well, not at all I figured I figured out how to make this work yeah um so 
I had two other topics, and I think I'm going to cut out the last one. Mm-hmm. It was about the Galaxy Fold being re-released, and that's just kind of blah. I don't really care about the Galaxy Fold anymore. We talked about it once. It's kind of lame. There's the whole topic. It's still lame. Yeah. Move on. Um, <laughs> but the but these IKEA shelves that I have mm-hmm. here, the uh, yeah, yeah. the Calyx shelves that are you know really nice. I've bragged mm-hmm. on them. I, I love how they work and all this other stuff. Target selling something that's. Exact, it's compatible with the system. Yeah, yeah. It's almost exactly the same. Uh, I've got them sitting downstairs. I'm going to put them up. They're going to go right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were what I would have paid for um, basically one set of shelves from Ikea yeah. and shipping to here. Mm-hmm. I got all three shelves that I need yeah. for this. Yeah, uh, Target's been doing that for a while. They've had the various like Ikea knockoffs or like the, the famous like build online knockoff. I've bought a couple things that are like that. Like our current night table is like that. And it is, on one hand, incredibly cheap. Like it, it doesn't cost very much. Just from the feeling of the construction, you can tell that it's not, like, you know, it's one of those things where it's not wood. It's like wood on the outside. It's probably like cardboard on the inside mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But that end table has lasted like four years. My couch is five years old, and it's starting to give out. Yeah. Because I bought, like, a, a discount couch because, uh, you know, I buy it from that surplus store. Which, you know, it's always worth it because I paid, like, 800 bucks for a full, you know, leather couch that's, like, a sectional. Yeah. But, yeah, I can't knock it. it that's it. Like, you want to say, it's like, oh, well, it's just a cheap little a little thing. I paid, like, 10 bucks for it. But it's still around. It's but, not, and it got no problems with it. So... The, the thing about this is I'm going to put a real wood back on it because mm-hmm. I need to hang some stuff to the back of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put a back on them, and uh, that'll also make them a little bit more stable for standing up out here yeah, in, the yeah. middle of the, uh, where, in the middle of this room where there's not much to go there. Probably going to put them together this weekend mm-hmm. and then, then put the back on it uh, in some sort of way that they can be taken off. Um, but now that, now that I'm kind of at that point and... And looking at all this stuff and everything, unless they end up not even coming close to matching, I don't see a real reason to go to Ikea to buy shelves anymore if Target's going to sell the exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, I've been in, like, real Ikeas, and I've seen the Ikea store. The, The Ikea clones are everywhere, and they're always cheaper, and... Well, yeah, but I've tried IKEA clones before, and I actually so the only reason mm-hmm. that I cho- I chose to try these is because I have I was able to there were some put up together, yeah, and I was able to like, like touch and test and, and interact yeah. with them, and they seem almost as stable as these. These mm-hmm. are these are stable; they're not going anywhere. I've got I've got them downstairs for my bookshelves, for mm-hmm. my gaming room, and I've got them up here. They're not going anywhere. But they're and, and IKEA's pretty cheap. It's not expensive. I mean yeah. I've probably invested less than a thousand dollars in all the shelves that I have mm-hmm. throughout my house, and you know I have quite a few. Um, but I'm willing to pay less if it's offered for me to pay less. And yeah. I can just go down I don't have to travel to someplace like Charlotte mm-hmm. to get the bookshelf. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, check them out. See, see if you're going to use them. I, I, I talked about the Kallax. This is kind of like a Kallax update. I still, I still think if you have an IKEA near you, mm-hmm. go get them. These are great, and the the system they have with them is awesome because you have these drawers and things like that 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 go with it. And yeah. those aren't quite with the tar- Target stuff, but Target sells the cubes mm-hmm. um, that that you can buy, and they're cheap. 
and and everything like that. And so I'm gonna end up getting my uh, my cubes that go inside the the pullout cubes mm-hmm. the, that are the cloth cubes that go in here and everything. Get all that from Target. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> this has been the episode 14 of season two of the beer and broadband podcast we have a twitter we'd love for you guys to like tweet us and talk to us and stuff like that um we also have an untapped and if people are interested we might start like making it so that uh people can like kind of interact with us there um i'll see i'll see what happens it might it might be kind of fun to have like our untaps like all the beers that we do like on untapped um but other than that uh we'll catch you next time thanks for listening